Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. My voice might sound a little rough around the edges to you because I've just had my turn with the plague that's been running through our household over the past couple of weeks, but I'm feeling well enough to talk with you all today. And today we're going to take on the topic of how to yell less and love more. Are you a yelling mom? I think we all have our mommy madness moments that maybe we don't like to share about so much, but I think we all do struggle with properly expressing anger and frustration, especially as a parent, maybe inside of our marriages. I had a woman come up to me at a conference that I spoke at once, and uh, she was really kind of shy, and she was kind of hanging around the edges, waiting until nobody else was around. And then she dared to approach me, and what she said to me, I'll never forget, because she was so timid in the way that she said it, and kind of looking down at her feet. And she just said to me, I just need to know if if you ever yell at your kids. Oh, gosh, you know, I just wanted to hug her because the poor thing was feeling so alone, very likely disappointed in herself in the way that she'd been parenting and the way she'd been expressing anger and frustration as a mom, and feeling so alone in that. Uh, You know, just the way that she asked me that spoke right to my heart because that's how we suffer the most, I think, as parents and inside of our marriages is when we feel alone, when we think nobody else struggles the way that we do. And this is a topic that I think it's important to talk about because we all do struggle in this way. It might not be yelling for you. I mean, this we're going to talk about expressing anger and frustration in appropriate ways. There are lots of inappropriate ways to express anger and frustration, let me tell you, because I think I've done them all. <laughs> you could ask my kids. Of these things, you get the idea. It's not just yelling that can hurt our relationships. But just, you know, for the sake of simplicity, we're going to talk about yelling. But just please keep in mind that I'm talking about all those negative ways that we express anger and frustration inappropriately and and ways that can hurt our families, our friendships, and ultimately ourselves. Because if you've ever had an episode where you lost your temper, where you freaked out on somebody, it might feel good in the moment to vent in that way. But at the end of it, it feels pretty rotten, doesn't it? I mean, I think it feels terrible. So... Let's get started talking about how can we even begin to address this? Well, the good thing is the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that you have an issue with this. And we're doing that. We're talking about that here today. But then the next thing I encourage you to do is kind of assess your situation. If you just had a yelling episode or something negative that you're feeling bad about with relationship to someone in your family, take a step back. Assess the situation. Is this an ongoing problem? Is this an isolated incident? Is it just because you're having an especially bad day and it's not likely to happen again anytime soon? I experienced this, the importance of stepping back and kind of assessing your situation once when I went to confession years ago and I didn't think I was having any particular kind of problem with anger and frustration, but the priest heard through the things that I told him. I gave him a litany of things related to relationships and family and my negative approaches to them, my negative responses to negative situations. And at the end of it, he listened to all that I had to say, and he paused for a moment, and then he said to me, what's really going on? What's wrong? 
And I was thrown for a loop because I thought, oh, I'm just in here to do my laundry list of confession and move on with my life. I didn't think anything was going on. But his question really prompted me to take that step back and to listen to myself, to look at the list of things I just told him about and see those for what they were, which was symptoms of something really negative going on in my life. And it wasn't like there was some tragedy happening and I was about to get a divorce or something, but it really was a lot of little things piling up, going through a very stressful situation and not having a positive outlet for that. So maybe you don't need to go to confession. Maybe you do. That might be a great idea. If you happen to be Catholic and confession is something that you're inclined to do, that's a great way to assess your situation. But it doesn't have to be confession. You can assess your situation by yourself. You can assess it if you um, have a therapist, but it doesn't have to be done professionally like that. You can talk to a friend. You can talk to your spouse. You can talk to your kids. You can talk to your mom. Just somebody that you can kind of take a step back with and get that kind of perspective on your life with. And then once you do assess your situation, and if you find that you have an ongoing habit of yelling or whining or complaining or mumbling under your breath, and if you have an issue with expressing negative emotions in your life, then what do you do? Let's talk about some positive things that you can do to address that. The first thing I'd encourage you to do is... If this is an ongoing habit with you, then you need to make something else an ongoing habit with you. That's going to be a healthy outlet for these kinds of feelings. Maybe not in the moment, but will help you to express in the moment your feelings of negativity and frustration and anger in a healthy way, in a way that's not going to lash out and hurt other people, including yourself. So I encourage you to find a positive outlet. Now, what does that mean? I mean, negative feelings, they're just a part of life. It's totally okay and normal to get angry, to get frustrated, especially if you have young children, especially inside of a marriage when you're rubbing up against each other, sometimes in negative, annoying ways. I I think it's important to remember that it's normal and it's totally okay to have those feelings. That's not what we're talking about here, how to not have negative feelings, because that's a fact of life. We're just going to have those negative feelings. But the problem is when we express them inappropriately. So let's talk about some positive outlets for that kind of stress. The first one I would suggest is a creative outlet for you. Do you have that in your life? Think about it. When you're doing that assessment of your life and seeing the negative ways that sometimes you yell at your kids or lose your temper, do you have a creative outlet in your life? Because that kind of frustration from, and we're all creative people in one way or another, in some form or another, we're, we're built to make things. We, we love beauty. We like to create beauty. We're, we're, inclined in that way, just as human beings. This is a human need that we have. It doesn't mean everybody's an artist per se, but everybody has that need for creation, for an outlet in their life. Maybe it's something like baking or cooking that you enjoy. Maybe you write or you draw or you paint, you play music. Somehow you're meant to create something, to be creative in some way. And if that need's not getting met in your life in a regular way, then you're going to have a pent-up frustration that you're at risk for venting in bad ways. And now that doesn't mean you have to drop everything and take a three day a week art class or something like that. But spend a little time thinking about things that you enjoy, you know, really recreation, recreation, you know, that word, is it part of your life? Is it part of your daily habit to make time for recreation? And that doesn't even just mean rest. We'll get to that in a minute. But just having a creative outlet in your life whether it would be, you know, um, a, a hobby that you might enjoy, something that you can make time for 
in your daily life. See if you can find a way to do that. Because in my life, I know I've experienced this and I've seen it among friends as well, that when you're not making that time to have something that's for you, something you enjoy engaging in, where you feel fully alive, not that every moment's going to be bliss if you're writing a blog or something on the side, but just that you have that place for you, that creative outlet, that release of creative energy. Without it, you get this pent-up frustration, and then you're at risk for yelling at your kids, yelling at your spouse, being that whining, complaining mom. The next one I'm going to suggest is exercise, and you knew I was going to say that. You totally knew that. And I'm going to say it because it's true. And you knew it because you know, too, that it's true. There are feel-good hormones that you can only get from getting out of breath. And that's just a fact. You need to physically move your body. We're made for it. We're physical beings. Your body's not meant to sit on a couch and nurse the baby all day and all night without ever moving. Okay? I understand what daily life is like with little kids. And I know it is physically grueling, but not in the way that exercise is, not in that consistent get out of breathness, lift some weights, whatever it is you enjoy. You don't have to be complicated. You don't have to have a gym membership to do it, but you need that physical release in your life. You know, experts tell us all the time how important that is for stress relief, how important that is for balance in our lives. And sometimes we set the bar too high. You know, if you don't, you think, oh, I don't have 90 minutes to drive myself to the gym and take this class and then drive back and get a shower every day. So forget it. Well, you know what? You can have a dance party with your kids in the living room. You can go for a walk outside with kids and or a dog or, you know, whatever you've got in your life, use it. Make it part of what you do in your life. Go up and down the stairs. Just get that physical release built into your day. And you'll find, and I, I, you'll find that you sleep better. You'll find that you're better able to handle stressful situations. It's not a magic pill, but in my experience, it's really close to a magic pill. Having that exercise as part of your everyday life. And I've done it both ways. I've done the no exercise thing. I've done the crazy intense exercise over months at a time thing. And I've done the sort of balanced exercise fits into your life thing. I really recommend that last one if you can figure out how to balance it. But, you know, I think sometimes we, we set the bar too high and then we're, we're kind of tempted to throw it all away. Like, I can't do it perfectly, so forget it. At least find some way to get some kind of a physical release, some kind of a physical exercise, physical activity into your life every day because you're made for it. And if you're not having that as a regular part of your everyday life, it's going to express itself, that frustration, that physical frustration is going to express itself in negative ways, in ways that hurt your family, your relationships, and ultimately yourself. The next one I want to talk about is friendship, another way of addressing this outlet, this need that you have for expressing your feelings. You need to make time for friendship in your life. You need to make time for connecting with other people. And this might be your spouse, for sure. That's really helpful to have grown-up conversations on a regular basis. But it should include other people as well, maybe people in your community, maybe um, with your kid's school or in your parish, that you can connect with other people whose lives are similar to yours so that you can get together and talk about things, be vulnerable, share your, your failures and your weaknesses in a way that can remind you that you're not alone. And ultimately, that's what's really important here, is reminding ourselves that we're not alone. Thinking back to that woman at that conference who asked me if I ever yell at my kids, 
yes, I yell at my kids sometimes when they deserve it and sometimes when they don't. And I think we all need to be reminded that we all face those kinds of struggles as parents. We all are weak sometimes. We all fall down. And hearing it from other real people can be so empowering and so encouraging and so affirming. So if you don't have that kind of friendship in your life, look for ways to cultivate it. Look for ways to nurture relationships with other people that you can build that kind of friendship with. And of course, I have to mention prayer. Because ultimately, if your life is off kilter, probably it means your prayer life is off kilter. Which came first? I don't know. But... Um, I'm going to make a guess that not making time for connection with God in your life is part of what set your life off balance. That Are you making time for prayer in your life? And that doesn't mean hours in the chapel. Great if you can do that. It doesn't mean you have to get to adoration every week. Great if you can do that. It means connecting with your Creator, and this isn't something that has to take any time at all. Again, you know, when I was talking about exercise, your your body needs it and we're built for it. Guess what? you need and you're built for communion with your creator. If you don't have that in your life, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be unhappy. And now those feelings of unhappiness are going to express themselves in negative ways. There's no way around it. So it doesn't mean you have to make a ton of time, a ton of extra time for being down on your knees during your day, but making that effort first thing in the morning, maybe even before you get out of bed, turning your heart and your mind toward God making that a regular habit in your day as you go about your daily duties. I really recommend saying a morning offering every day because I think it starts your day off in the right direction. And I'll put one in the show notes um, so that anybody who's not familiar with making a morning offering could have one to work with. But you don't even need official words to do it. Just say good morning to Jesus and give him your day. Give him everything that you're going to do that day before it even happens. Offer up all the good and the bad things that are going to come your way and share them with him. And something that I found when I make a habit of saying the morning offering is that during my day, I'll go back to it. If I'm having a really challenging time, if something miserable is happening, I'll prompt myself to say that morning offering again to remind myself what it's worth, what I'm doing, who I've already given this day to, and that he's right there in it with me. So, I mean, prayer, making time for prayer and finding time for prayer and that kind of connection, I'm sure we'll, we'll take up in a future podcast because that's a huge topic, but I just wanted to mention it here. And then I also want to mention getting rest. You know, are you getting enough rest? We're probably not. None of us really is getting enough rest. None of us is sleeping the way that we should. Of course, if you're a parent, your sleep is interrupted likely several times a night. You're getting up early. You're staying up late. But I think recognizing the need for that rest and the way that it affects our mood is really important. So if you're, you know, it's a fact of life that maybe you're not going to get a full eight or nine hours uninterrupted each night, but let's work with that. Find ways that you can get the rest that you need in your days. Can you cut out some activities? Less running around will mean a more rested mom. Yeah, you can do that. Could you perhaps let the kids watch some Netflix while you lie on the couch? Yes, you can do that. That doesn't mean you're a bad mom. It means you're, you're, you're putting your priorities in order and you're making sure that you have the rest you need to be the good mom to them after that. Sometimes when we're, we're striving for perfection, we forget that our kids don't want us to be perfect. They want us to be their mom. They want us to be happy. They want a happy mom more than anything. They're not going to remember the perfection, but they'll remember if you weren't happy and if you were expressing that in ways that hurt them. And finally, if 
yelling is an issue in your parenting especially, I want to encourage you to look at and think about, take a hard look at what your parenting goals are. Because, you know, we don't always yell because we're having a temper tantrum. We don't always yell because, you know, nobody can find that one last shoe before you need to get out the door and you're already late. Sometimes we yell in those kinds of frustrating moments, but then there are other times when we yell or we lose our temper or we speak harshly to our kids because we're getting ignored. Yeesh, I know I did this a lot when my kids were little. So I can speak from experience here that this is a bad habit to fall into. And I call it lazy parenting because for me, that really was the motivation. I was I was just choosing the easiest way, which was, here we go, ask the kid to do something, get ignored. Tell the kid to do the thing, get ignored. Ask the kid again, remind the kid, get ignored, get ignored. Finally, freak out and yell at everybody and say how nobody listens to you and scream at the whole household. And then finally the kids get up and move and do the thing that you said. But the whole time they're like, geesh, that's not a healthy interaction. (laughs) That's a terrible habit. But do you see how in that interaction, you're training your kids not to listen the first five or six times you tell them to do something? You're training them, when I scream, that's when you need to do the thing I asked. That's when there will be consequences. So what we need to do to remedy that is instead work on building the habit and teaching our kids that we mean what we're telling them to do the first time we say it. And here's where the lazy parenting comes in. I know I was often choosing not to do that because it meant I had to get up and do something. If you ask a kid to do something, tell a kid to do something, and they don't do it, you need to physically get up and go and interact with them in a way that's going to get their attention, perhaps lay down some consequences for having ignored you the first time, and make them do the thing. But that always meant interrupting what I was doing, getting up off a couch. There was one funny time where um, the kids, there was some scuffle in the other room, and my husband and I were on the couch watching TV, and he yelled over to them, don't make me come in there. And then he like whispered to me under his breath, there is no way I'm getting off this couch. And we all have those moments and it's okay and it's funny in certain situations. But if this is an ongoing habit with you, think about what you're teaching your kids. Think about if that's helping you reach what your goals really are as a parent. So yeah, it takes effort. But in the long term, and that's the thing, it's always talking about those short-term goals versus long-term goals. If your long-term goals are important to you, you've got to make these short-term kinds of decisions about how you're going to parent your kids. It's really tough. I know it is. But it's that kind of consistency that can build the kind of relationships with our kids so that we're not having to resort to that frustrated freak out just to get them to you know pick up their shoes off the floor and start getting ready for bed or something. So wrapping up here, These are the things that I want to encourage you to do if you want to yell less and love more in your home, in your marriage, in your parenting, in all of your relationships that you value in your life. First, assess your situation. Find a way to step back and get some perspective. Find out if this is an ongoing problem with you. And if it is, then number two, look for a way that you can address it. Find a positive outlet. Find a way that you can express those negative feelings that we all have that are totally normal and okay find a positive way for expressing those. And then finally, take a look at what your long-term goals are for your parenting. Keeping those in mind will help you to make better decisions in the heat of the moment.
So these are just some ideas to get this conversation started about positive and constructive ways that we can express negative feelings that we have as wives, as moms, as friends. But the most important conversation that you're going to have and going to continue to have is the one with yourself on this topic, possibly in prayer. You can do this. The hardest part of addressing anger and frustration issues is talking about them in the first place and admitting that you want to do better. So good for you. You're already getting started. Well, as you know, I have a short interview featuring someone different each week here at Girlfriends. And this week, we're talking with Karen Edmiston. I'm so excited that she agreed to join us for a little while here at Girlfriends. And I just know you're going to enjoy what she has to say. Take a listen. Hey, Girlfriends, who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. I'm happy to be welcoming someone near to my heart on the show today. We have author, wife, mom, convert from atheism, Karen Edmiston with us today. Karen and I are longtime online friends going way back to the time when we were publishing stuff online and everyone was still trying to figure out what a blog was. But she has certainly grown and her life has been a true inspiration to follow. Welcome, Karen. How are you? Hi, Danielle. It's, I'm great. Thank you. And thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited that you're doing this. And um, yeah, we do go back a long way, don't we? We sure <laughs> do. And I, I want to get, get in your official bio here because I need to tell people about the books that you've published since way back then when we were first connecting online. So Karen Edmiston is a homeschooling mom. She's a writer and a convert from atheism to Catholic faith. She's the author of several books, including After Miscarriage, A Catholic Woman's Companion to Healing and Hope, Deathbed Conversions, and a new book coming out next month, You Can Share the Faith, Reaching Out One Person at a Time, which is part memoir, part evangelization encouragement. And when Karen's not writing a book, homeschooling, or drinking coffee, she blogs at KarenEdmiston.com, the blog blog with the shockingly clever title. And I, I love that, Karen, because... Do you remember the name of my blog is Danielle Bean? So there you I think go. We had the same inspiration. We were didn't both we? <laughs> inspired by the same muse way yeah. back when. And I mean, that's just hilarious. But I'm so excited about your, your book. And um, folks, if you haven't checked out her blog, definitely do that and check out her books too, because especially that miscarriage book, I have to thank you for that. Um, oh, I've given it to you. so many friends. It's been such a needed resource over the years when people come to me and they're hurting and they're not finding what they need out there, that this is such a beautiful yeah. companion for people who are suffering. Well, thank you for saying that. It was a little bit of a hard sell to publishers. They tend to think that there's so much out there about miscarriage, mm -hmm. but you know, there just didn't really seem to me to be anything out there specifically geared to Catholic right. um, women. And so I was thrilled when Servant um, Books said yes to that one. Um, and it's it's just been very rewarding and gratifying to have something that I can share. You know, I went through a lot of miscarriages myself and to be able to share with other women and hopefully help them through it has been um, very rewarding. Absolutely. Yeah. God bless you for sharing that. And thank, thank goodness that servant took it on. That's wonderful. Um, okay. So let's get started to the, the questions that I ask everybody and you've had a little time to think about this. So I'm, I'm looking uh -huh. forward to our conversation here. Um, so let's get started. Karen, tell us about a time when you felt like you really triumphed. When did you first ever feel a sense of achievement or accomplishment, whether it was with your work yeah. or your personal life? Such a big question. And yeah. obviously, like the big umbrella over all of that would have to do with my conversion. My life mm -hmm. changed 
then, you know, it turned around completely at that point. Um, so obviously that, you know, just having the, accepting the grace to convert was huge. But, you know, getting down to more specifics, I, I debated between a couple of stories to tell you. And one of them had to do with, with the way my parents kind of thought we were religious fanatics when we first decided to homeschool and how <laughs> years later they came around. Um and so that's one story. But then I kind of decided to go the writing route because um, that's uh-huh. how you and I connected online was with right. our writing. Um, and so I thought I'd tell a little bit about the story of how my first book came about. Um, you know, I'd been writing articles and had started getting published um, in some Catholic magazines. And um, Mike Aquilino was actually the first person who ever bought some of my writing. Pretty awesome. New Catholic magazine. Yes. Yeah. He's absolutely wonderful. I think of him as like the godfather of my writing. <laughs> <laughs> I need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, you know, he, he bought my first article and then he continued to buy articles for that magazine. Mm-hmm. And so, but about like, oh, four or five years after I'd started, you know, some article writing, that was when I started my blog was back in 2005. And I originally started it just to, to have a place online, kind of a home for, you know, links so that mm-hmm. I could link to my online writing. And basically, I, I started a blog because it was a cheap way to get a website. It was free, right? Yeah, was- <laughs> right. I love that about it. Yes, exactly. So I, I thought it was going to just be sort of a static website, that that's how I would use it. But I started reading more blogs, and I found you, and I... I started blogging more myself, and I, I was really bitten by the bug. So I actually became a blogger, and I was blogging regularly and loved it. Nice. Um, and one thing I loved to do was to review books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, I had gotten a hold of a copy of Mike Aquilina's Love and the Little Things, which is an essay um, or a book of essays about family life. And I just loved the book, absolutely loved it. And I just took a lot of pleasure in writing, you know, just carefully crafted reviews and really digging into what I loved about a particular book. So I wrote a review of his book. Um, His editor um, at Servant Books at that time read my review and um, Mike got a hold of me and he said, hey, my editor read your review of my book. She loved your writing. Expect a phone call. Nice. And I I think I screamed. I was gonna say, did you just like immediately throw up, or what really? happened? <laughs> and um, but but you know the I mean the the triumph behind that the you know that sense of accomplishment. It's I mean I really didn't see that coming. Right. And I wasn't blogging toward a book deal. I wasn't trying to you know turn this into a book. No, you never but had I, that kind of feel at your blog. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I just was taking a lot of pleasure in the writing and I wasn't, I didn't know where it was going to go, but, but that's where it went. And, you know, so book after book has grown out of that. So, you know, I guess what I, what I take from that and what I would encourage with other people is just, it was sort of that follow your passion thing. I loved the Mm -hmm. writing and, and it has just continued to grow. Beautiful. And such great advice because I find that too, that especially as blogging became more and more of an industry and um, people like you and I were entrenched in it kind of on the writing side of things, not really the machine side of things. And people would say, how do I do that? How do I get more followers? How do I do this and that? And I was always like, gosh, you know, do it if you love it. And, you know, follow that. And I know there are people out there that can help you with a marketing plan and whatnot. But sometimes God doesn't need a marketing plan. He right. can find you right yeah, where you are. Exactly. And I've never been able to figure out his marketing plan in advance anyway. So. <laughs> 
You might as well just wait for it to happen to you and get the awesome phone call. So what a great story. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that, Karen. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the the juicier stuff now. I'm (laughs) looking forward to this. We've heard some beautiful stories from women sharing already about this topic. So um, can you tell us about a mistake you once made, either professionally or personally? And what did you learn from that mistake? Well, there are so, so many mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) We all share that part in common. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And, you know, before, before my conversion, there were some huge mistakes, you know, enormous mistakes that fall under the mortal sin category. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, really some devastating things um, that, that I did, that I, that I did to other people. Um, And, so it's kind of, I'm going back to what I said earlier, that big umbrella. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there's the pre-conversion me and the post-conversion me. Right. And I look at mistakes differently now. Um, you know, in the past, mistakes could lead me to, <clears throat> excuse me, could lead me to such despair, mm-hmm. really. Um, you know, even earlier in my life, there were times that, that I felt nearly suicidal. And, and you know, that's wow. it's a horrible, dark way to live. So. Mm-hmm. But living now as a child of God, I can really view every mistake I make in a completely different light. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I can stop and think, okay, is this a mistake that, that I need to get to confession about? Um, if yes, I better get there and I get there as soon as I can. Uh-huh. Um, is this a mistake that's just part of like an everyday flub? Like, you know, I'm human and God gets this and mm-hmm. I, need to, I need to pray for more grace and move on. But so that's kind of the umbrella, you know, mm-hmm. about, over all the mistakes um, these Absolutely. days in my life. Yeah. Um, but I think if I had to pick like one thing about family life, I, what kept coming to me as I thought about this question was about, about homeschooling and about raising kids and about how, how mistaken I was when I thought as a young mom that I could just choose the way I was going to mother and the way I was going to homeschool and that it would all work. Because it was my choice. (laughs) Right. Isn't that how life works? Yeah, exactly. Don't tell me you found out differently. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) as a homeschooling mom and just as a mom in general, you Mm -hmm. know, we all know this is such a, it's such a cliche, but you know, it's so true. I mean, just the the homeschooling example, I'll zero in on that one. You know, I had, I had a very, I had a very structured kind of plan. I had a classical approach planned. I had this idea of exactly how our days were going to look with my oldest daughter. Um, and none of it worked for her. She did not learn that way. She learned in a completely different way. Um, and we ended up going down a much more, un- I call it unschool-ish. I would, I, I've never said really that we're unschoolers. You can't bring yourself to do non- that. <laughs> What's that? You can't bring yourself to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's not, it's not a good label. It's like, you know. I know. The perfectionist in me does want to at least label it the right way, but there's no perfect label either. Right. Um, but yeah, it ended up leading us down a whole different path that has worked out great for our family. Um, but I didn't see it coming and I had to make those adjustments and realize like, Oh my gosh, this child is not a piece of clay that I'm going to be able to mold into what I want. I have to, I have to listen to her and see what she needs and figure that out and adapt as we go. So annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. I wish they. I wish they were clay. <laughs> but no, you don't. You've raised some beautiful young women, amazing, <laughs> talented, you. smart young ladies that Thank you need you to be proud much. of. Well, it, you know, all all that glory goes to God because He just keeps knocking me on the head and go saying, "Listen, listen to what they need, not what you want to do." So I, I think that's the biggest. That's the biggest lesson that I think I keep learning and relearning, not just homeschooling and mothering. I think through life, really. Right. 
Yeah, because yeah. I was going to say, that's a great lesson for anybody's life. That right. <laughs> One thing that we, right. I think we're all kind of learning as we go, that actually yeah. you don't actually get to plan things out and it goes exactly to your plan. And sometimes it works out a lot greater than that <laughs> because right. you couldn't dream nearly <laughs> so big as God can. And exactly. Great. Yeah. Beautiful story. Well, all right. Well, we have time for another question but, um, before we have to finish up here. So why don't you let us know, Karen, what's the best advice that you've ever received? Who gave it to you and how do you try to implement it? Okay. Well, when I was young, I, I've always loved writing. Um, and when I was younger, I wanted to, um, to try to, to get my writing published. And it didn't, didn't happen for a long time. But, um, but my, I remember my dad saying to me early on, he said, go for 10. And he was talking about 10 rejection slips. <laughs> and what he was really saying, you know, was have the courage to, you, you, you have to have the courage to put yourself out there and try for it. So that little phrase, go for 10, comes back to me a lot of times when I need courage, when I need to put myself out there, and when I need to risk failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of those words, go for 10. And, and I, I've returned to that uh, in a lot of different areas of my life. So. Wow, I love that. I, I'm going to remember <laughs> that one because it's true. And, and what a neat way of phrasing it because it's kind of setting up a new goal. <laughs> exactly. Your goal exactly. is to collect those rejection slips. So right. you're doing right. great. <laughs> and you never know what's going to happen. So, you know, somewhere along the way, you might get that phone call from an editor that you didn't expect. Absolutely. So. <laughs> well, great. Thanks, Karen's dad. That is a good one. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got to move on to our lightning round. Um, here's where we're going to put our girlfriend, Karen Edmiston, in the hot seat for t- 60 <laughs> seconds. And she's going to answer some questions and we're going to find out a little bit more about her in a fun format. So are you ready for your lightning I'm round? I'm ready. All right. I'm ready. Great. Here we go. Lightning round on Girlfriends with Karen Edmiston. Okay, Karen, years from now, St. Karen Edmiston will be the patron saint of what? Uh, uh, coffee. Oh, <laughs> perfect. All right. What's the weirdest thing you've ever done to get over writer's block? Oh, the weirdest thing I've ever done to get over writer's block. Oh, wow. That's a hard one. Um, 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 I, I lock myself in my bedroom and I just start typing. Good. It, I don't, it doesn't matter what I'm typing. I just start typing. You got to give uh, yourself permission to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. What electronic device could you not live without? Oh, my, my laptop. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What is something that most surprised you about becoming a believer? Um, the joy of it, the joy and, and the, um, and the intelligence behind the Catholic faith, the beauty of faith and reason working together. Beautiful. All right. What college class would you most like to take today? Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. I just had a dream the other night that I was in college again, but I, I don't know what the class was. I just, I couldn't find my locker. Really? So I, oh. was like, I was like combining <laughs> high school and college anxiety. Oh so gosh. I, I well, that's not worth ready it. For another class. You're not ready, but you are, you did survive the lightning round. So good job, Karen. I love it. I loved your answers. And um, it's been fun kind of getting to know you in a little bit of a different way that way. So before we have to wind up here, Karen, maybe you can um, give us a, a little bit of a, a shout out about what you're working on. I know you just finished a book. Maybe you can tell us um, when and where and how that's coming out, how we can find out more yeah, about it. I would love to. Um, it's called You Can Share the Faith and uh, Reaching Out One Person at a Time. It will be published by our Sunday visitor um, about the middle of February. It should be available. It's actually available for pre-order now. You can find nice. it on Amazon. I'll or link that up OSB. in the show notes, everybody. Don't worry. You'll get all these links. <laughs> um, and it's about, it just grew out of my own experience of conversion and I include stories from other people. Um, it's about things that 
in a way that did and didn't work for me. Um, the really loving ways that that friends led me slowly over the years to faith and the way people accepted me, you know, for who I was and where I was at the time mm-hmm. um, and how how their honesty um, and and sometimes just seeing the joy in their own lives over faith, how those things affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, and how certain things maybe kind of hampered me, maybe weren't so helpful, things that I've remembered and, and I've tried to think about when I'm with other people who um, are not part of the faith. Um, and I want to I try to be that same kind of good friend that my good friends were to me. So it's, the book is, is full of stories about things like that. Sounds wonderful. I can't wait to read it. And so we'll be watching KarenEdmiston.com for that information. And I want to thank you for being here with us today, Karen. You've been awesome to have on Girlfriend. So much fun to talk with you. And uh, thank you for sharing so beautifully in your blogging and in your books and here in this interview about, about the ways that God's worked in your life. And we all pray together that he'll continue to bless you in all the inspiring work you do. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And I, I wish you just... Um, loads of luck and grace with this podcast. I think it's wonderful and um, I can't wait to hear hear more of your guests. Awesome. Great. Talk to you later. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. See, was I right? Do you totally love Karen Edmiston like I do? I'll link up her blog in the show notes. Um, Also put some links to some of her books, especially that miscarriage book that I mentioned. If you've suffered miscarriage, if someone you know is suffering, this is really an excellent resource. I can't recommend it enough. And it's just a, a great way to bring a message of hope to yourself or to someone else who needs it in a time of suffering. So we'll definitely have that linked up as well. But now it's time for our girlfriend shout out. This week's girlfriend shout out is going out to Roseanne DiNardo, who wrote to say that she really liked a previous episode of Girlfriends, episode number two, where I gave you three doable health goals for 2016. Uh, Roseanne shared with me that she's been working on losing weight in the new year, both through exercise and diet. And um, she's been doing that since... January 1st, and she's been seeing slow but steady progress toward reaching her goals. And then she writes, while I haven't yet reached my final goal for weight loss, I can see and feel the difference in my energy levels and in the ways that my clothes fit. And I'm so encouraged by the fact that I'm moving in the right direction. So thank you for sharing that. Great job, Roseanne. It's so important to focus on those small ways that we're succeeding and making small progress, however small, we're making it in the right direction toward our bigger goals. So I'm impressed with with you for taking better care of yourself, but even more importantly, for reaching out to me and sharing and recognizing the value of those small milestones. Roseanne, here's your girlfriend shout out. Way to go. You are my hero. This shout out's for you, girlfriend. Now, maybe you need a shout out, or maybe someone you know needs a shout out. Who in your life is making those kinds of small steps and small progress in the right direction? What's something good that's going on in your life? Reach out and tell me. Just like Roseanne did, you can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Facebook or on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love for you to share with me what your goals are and what small successes you're having on working toward those goals. How are the weekly challenges going for you? Give me that feedback so that we can give you a shout out or someone you know a shout out here on Girlfriends. And now speaking of the weekly challenge, it's that time again. 
Listen up, girlfriends. It's time for the weekly challenge. We got this. So, as you know, each week I give you a challenge related to our topic, something that you can take on and a goal you can aim for in the coming week. So, this week we've been talking about proper ways to vent negative emotions, not yelling, not sighing, no sarcasm, no moping around, no whining, no complaining. What's left? Well, okay. So this week, what I'd like you to do is um, go about your daily life, conscious of some of the things that we've talked about, give some thought to some of the things we've talked about here today. And then choose an instance in your life, become aware of a time when you're tempted toward that negative venting, whatever it is for you. Become aware of that time and give yourself a pause. Hit the pause button in that moment. Give yourself a reset, give yourself a timeout, leave the room, go do 30 squats, go outside, change the moment and choose to do differently based on what we've talked about here today. So really, it's just about becoming more conscious and more aware of how you're feeling when you're reaching that tipping point and making a positive choice in the heat of that moment. Not too bad, right? Let's aim to have one negative interaction this week replaced with a positive interaction. We got this. And if you do got this and you do great, I'd love to hear from you. Give me that feedback. And give me your feedback about girlfriends. I talked to you last week about the importance of getting reviews in iTunes as a way of promoting the podcast. And by getting those ratings and reviews and subscriber numbers up, that's a signal to iTunes that people are interested in this podcast. And then it puts this podcast in front of more people and promotes it in various ways. So really very helpful for me to get those reviews on iTunes. And I want to thank our Cath girl, I suppose that's a Roman Catholic girl, um, who left me a review this week. She said, Danielle is very personable and honest when she speaks about motherhood. I felt inspired and edified after listening to her show entitled Doing It All. Um, And then NEK Melissa also gave me a review on iTunes saying she thoroughly enjoys the podcast and she feels like I'm a friend of hers. And then she shares how she listened to the podcast while she was doing dishes and feeding the baby and folding the laundry. And I just love picturing that going on. So thanks to those two ladies, those two listeners for um, their reviews on iTunes. If you do have an iTunes account, please just give me that ratings, that review. Please subscribe to the podcast. It really helps me to get the word out and we can share girlfriends with more people that way. But even more importantly, just let me know your feedback about girlfriends. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know what topics you might like to see, what guests you might like to have on. I really want for this podcast to serve your needs. So let me know how I can do that. Let me know how I can make Girlfriends your podcast. I want to thank you for being here with me for this episode of Girlfriends. I'm really grateful for the trust that you place in me by spending some of your time here. I'm grateful for the opportunity to get to know you, to share ideas with you, and to help you know your worth and find your joy in family living. So until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.